As we continue in worship, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. As you find your way to Luke chapter 2, just a reminder of where we've been, or if you um, haven't been with us, this this Advent season we've been studying the occasions where an angel appeared in the Gospel of Luke, and people had different expressions of fear. Zechariah was gripped with fear, the type of fear that you, you just can't shake off. It had a hold of him. Mary was greatly troubled. Wondering what all this meant. The type of fear that, that sits deep within our souls. And now today we, we turn our attention towards the shepherds who, when they were out in their fields in the dark of night and then the glory of an angel appears, they were terrified, uh, absolutely surprised as the glory of the Lord shone around them. We can identify with different times and seasons in our own lives when we have been gripped with fear, when our souls have been greatly troubled, or moments where we have simply been terrified. And yet, the refrain throughout the Gospel of Luke is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Those four words, coupled with the meaning of Emmanuel, God is with us. So before we read God's word, we'll pray, but, but before we even do that, will you say those words with me, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And God is with us. God is with us. Let's pray for God to be with us in the reading of the word. Light came into the darkness, and the darkness cannot and will not overcome it. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world, and that even as the Advent candles burn today, we remember that your light shines in the darkness, that you have called us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So by your word, speak to us afresh through the power of your Holy Spirit. Illumine the word to us as a candle illumines a room. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may hear a word from you, that we may hear the assurance to not be afraid, just as the angels continued to assure your people then to not be afraid. May you kindle within our hearts the hope of Emmanuel, that you, O God, are with us and will never leave us or forsake us. Speak through your word, Lord, that we may hear your good news and share it well. Amen. Luke chapter 2, today we'll actually begin at verse 8. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In a small hospital on the East Coast, there was a janitor who was called Scrubsy. Not, of course, that that was his given name, mind you, but that is what he was called by virtually everyone, Scrubsy. And you can guess why. Scrubsy, in this small hospital, was not an esteemed member, um, was not a director or supervisor, um, was not referred to as a superintendent of buildings and grounds or any other such thing. Scrubsy was the standard janitor who scrubbed up the messes of a hospital. So when there is blood or feces or anything else imaginable, Scrubsy was the custodian that was called in. He was not highly esteemed, and his appearance would be that of someone who was just making the dress code standards work. His hair was just trimmed enough, his beard was just kept enough that he could be at work and be present. No one thought particularly well of him, and in fact, that is why he was consistently called Scrubsy. You wouldn't pay much attention to him. You wouldn't talk to him unless you needed something from him. And even then, it was a lot more convenient just to page him into the room. There was a chaplain who was working at that hospital in rotation and got to know at least who Scrubsy was. And a hospital chaplain is there as much for the staff um, in, in times of trying days as much as they are for the patients. And the chaplain set out to, to get to know Scrubsy. But Scrubsy was both hard to find unless he was scrubbing something. And Scrubsy um, was also just someone easy to forget about. Not very often would you think of him. And one day, there was a significant car accident not too far from the hospital. And so the, the trauma center in the ER was, was busy and was flying around and people were coming in. And it was a terrifying situation. And the hospital chaplain was, was in the emergency department offering triage, checking in with people, and then overheard these words. Where is that stupid janitor? You, Paige Scrubsy, now! To hear a person referred to, now of course, it's not really Scrubsy's fault. 
that he wasn't there in that moment. But to just hear one more time how lowly this man was thought of, how people didn't pay attention to him, didn't call him by name, stirred up within this chaplain the desire, this week I have to get to know Scrubsy. And it was a traumatic week. The accident claimed a few lives, had severe implications for others. And after Scrubsy was paged, Scrubsy was in the ER, cleaning up blood, tending to people, grabbing supplies, doing what he was supposed to do. But he was the object of everyone's derision because high anxiety makes us lash out. When we're stressed, we're not at our best, we say hurtful things, and Scrubsy was the easiest one to insult in the whole room. So later that week, the chaplain found out that Scrubsy doesn't eat his lunch in the cafeteria because well, no one wants to talk to him anyway. So he tracked down the closet where Scrubsy ate his lunch and started to get to know this unsuspecting and un- unregarded staff member. And he had concerns. Was Scrubsy gripped with fear? knowing that people had negative remarks about his performance? Was he worried that his job was in jeopardy? Was he greatly troubled by the things that he had seen that week? Was he terrified from the the traumatic experience of all that happened in that emergency room? Scrubsy was altogether unshaken by all of it. Admitted that he was napping in the on-call room when his pager went off, and that maybe terrified him for a second, and then what about his Daily work, scrubbing up the hospital. There is great concern on the chaplain's behalf for this person. Did he feel a sense of dignity? Scrubsy had none of the concerns that the chaplain had for him. He was not gripped with fear about his job. A job's a job. If they fire me from this one, I'll get another one, he said. He wasn't greatly troubled by what he saw. He simply said, I've seen a lot in my day. He wasn't really terrified by anything that had occurred. He just said, oh, yeah, yeah, those are always rough. The chaplain would describe Scrubsy as someone who you might say, it looks like the 60s were a good time for him. And as he tried to get to know a little bit more of of what makes this person so calm and resolute, does he find any meaning in life? No sign whatsoever of religious faith or hope in God. And yet something just kept Scrubsy together. And finally, the chaplain uncovered Scrubsy's secret to being tranquil through all seasons of life by asking, is there anything meaningful, that, that, that a memory that means a lot to you that you draw back to throughout your life? And Scrubsy said, yeah. I was at Woodstock. I was at Woodstock, the original, mind you. This was the event that Scrubsy based his entire life's meaning and worth off of. The rock concert that started off, well, we don't want to go down that road too far. Scrubsy was at Woodstock. And so, being gripped with fear being greatly troubled, being terrified. Nah, none of that mattered. Whether people thought well of him or not didn't really matter because he said, yeah, some of those doctors are kind of rude, but 
None of them were at Woodstock. It was his refrain. It was the single most important event in his life, as far as the chaplain could figure out. It changed him. He hung meaning on it. And so the chaplain, like many others, tried to maintain compassion, but also learned that Scrubsy did not need anyone's pity. Scrubsy did not need to be reached out to in the ways that we would expect. But Scrubsy did need to be asked about what was the meaningful event in his life that changed everything. And it might seem insignificant to us. You might think, well, that event, that event didn't change your life circumstances. It didn't put you on any kind of other trajectory. He was very much alone. The chaplain did Scrubsy's funeral, which was attended by two other people. And yet, all that the chaplain could think of was, this man did not have a disappointment in the world because of this one event in which he loaded all of his life's meaning into. The shepherds are not unlike the Scrubsy characters. Shepherds are people that you probably wouldn't talk to unless you needed to. And they were dirty outside. They were also, oftentimes, because of their work and life, would be ceremonially unclean. So their connection to the temple and worship would be minimal. They were not esteemed highly. They were low people on the totem pole. And yet, they are the ones that the angel appeared to. They are the first ones to herald the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's important to know that this is good news for all people. That the angel says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. No one would have remembered to tell the shepherds if they had not been told by God himself. And so it was the shepherds who were the first messengers. And the appearance of the angels was their Woodstock moment. Scrubsy's Woodstock also probably felt a lot like an angel appearance. That's probably more related to hallucinogens than the presence of God. And yet all the same, this was the moment that changed everything for these shepherds. These otherwise forgotten, ignored group of individuals were the heralds who shared that the light had come into the darkness. They were the ones who got to share that everything that God told them would happen occurred just as it was said. The shepherds then go back to being shepherds. They go, they share the good news, and then they return. In verse 20, they return to their daily routine, to their daily lives, to being the side characters to what seems like a much bigger show. Verse 20, the shepherds returned. They returned to the fields, returned to the flocks. They returned to their daily jobs, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, often we want to see big change. We want to see things work out well for all people. And yet the shepherds at Christmas time remind us that what they had was an encounter with the living Christ. They didn't become wealthier. 
Nothing circumstantially changed for them, and yet this encounter with the living Christ changed them. It had an effect and an impact. And though they return to their daily work, just as after the holidays or even over the holidays, we will return to our daily life, our normal routines, our everyday jobs and activities. Whatever it is, the circumstances of our lives that occupy us, it will continue on. But do we take a cue from the shepherds in treating the moments where we saw God show up when things were just as they were told they would be? Do we take a cue from that and let it change us? In this Christmas time when we celebrate that God himself dwelt among us, that, that God is alive, that Christ took on flesh and dwelt among us, that people interacted with the living God, do we also cherish those moments in reflection at Christmas? My highest encouragement is to do so with friends and family. To reflect on the times in which you've seen God at work, either in this week, this year, or throughout your life. To cherish those moments when God showed up and to hold on to them dearly. And to not be surprised, to not be surprised that God's Spirit has been at work, to not be surprised that, that God's activity in the world continues, to not be surprised that God is at work within the church, within Christ's gathered body, because this is just as it has been told and said it should be. Of all the people who respond to an angel appearance, at first, we, we understand and can sympathize that the shepherds probably were the most traumatized by this appearance. Whereas Zechariah was in the temple, exactly where you would expect to find God. Mary was going about her daily life, but was maybe less surprised, less terrified. But the shepherds are out in the dark, and then a great light appears. We'd all be terrified. It'd be like deer in the headlights or spotlight. Shocking. And yet of all of the responses to the angel appearance, after the angel says, do not be afraid, the other responses throughout the Gospel of Luke so far was Zechariah saying, how can I be sure of this? An angel is talking to you and his question of skepticism is, how can I be sure of this? Mary does a little better in saying, how will this be? I believe you, God, that this is going to happen. God speaking through the angel Gabriel. I believe you that this will happen, but how will this be? Explain it to me. But the shepherd's response, instead of how can I be sure of this, how will this be, they say, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. Friends, can you reflect on a way in which God was at, light, at work in your life? To offer that in your prayers at Christmas time. To remind your family of ways in which you have seen a sign of hope, a sign of joy, a measure of peace. And to share that. Let's go. Let's go and be changed by the encounters with the ways in which God has showed up to remember them and to cherish them. This week here at North Holland has been a full 
and heavy and tiring week. Friday, passing of Howard Bauman last week. Saturday night, passing of Dave Hookstra. And this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, visitation and funeral with the Bauman family. Friday and Saturday, visitation and funeral with the Hookstra family. A tiring week. And yet, one thing that I heard three times from three separate people who were grieving, who were in the midst of pain and loss, three times heard, I feel comforted. Feeling a measure of peace, even in a time of loss and grief. I feel comfort. I feel peace. This is peculiar. But this is also just as Jesus said it would be. When our Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It is, as the shepherd said in verse 20, just as we had been told. Just as we had been told that it would be. Comforted by the ways in which God's people were at work, in the ways in which God was at work through those who reach out with encouragement, consolation, even just a hug and a simple, I'm sorry. Sometimes there are no other words. But yet God can be at work even in the exchange. Friends, it is just as God had said it would be. Just as 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that we would be comforted when we mourn, that we grieve not as those without hope. It was just as it had been foretold through the prophets as we read those readings from Isaiah this morning during worship, that Christ came into the world. And even though it didn't always fit our expectations of what the event would be, it showed up differently. The type of deliverance that people wanted and were asking for was not the same one that God delivered on. And yet it was just as God said it would be. It was just as God said it would be. God will show up as God has promised. This shouldn't surprise us, but it should bless us. And it should remind us that sometimes it's our expectations that need a little bit of adjustment, a little bit of refreshment by rereading the ways in which God promised to be with us, by dwelling in the word to know how was it that Christ said he would be with us? What was it as a church that we were called to be even in the early book of Acts as the church was just beginning? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Now, if someone told us that they had had a vision, that they knew certain things about God, that God was going to show up in the flesh in certain areas, we would be rightly skeptical. And yet, the shepherd's simple response is, let's go. Friends, don't hesitate to share this good news just as the shepherds did not hesitate to go and see. Just as Jesus would say, come, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Just as in the gathering of the disciples, we would hear those words, come and see, I don't have all the answers for you, but come and see for yourself if this is God at work. 
Don't forget to remember the moments in which God was at work. And don't hesitate and wait for the perfect time to be part of God at work, to take part in signs of hope, to offer a word of peace, an act of love. Just like the shepherds, just like the shepherds who were ordinary people given an extraordinary piece of news. We remember not to pity the shepherds, and so we don't pity ourselves. We don't pity the shepherds, but we also don't forget that they were God's messengers. That they were told because, well, maybe no one else would have. Who are even the shepherds among us who need some good news, just need to be reminded that they are thought of. They have not been forgotten. They are not alone. We know that God is with us. But to manifest that among ourselves, think of your own shepherds in life, your own scrubsies, if you will. And in those moments that we remember when we were gripped with fear or greatly troubled or terrified, that we trust that God was with us, that we are not alone. And sometimes just to ask, I feel alone, I don't want to. Please be with me. We believe in a living Lord, the living Lord Jesus who died and rose again. We believe that God hears our prayers and answers them. We believe that God gives us signs of hope along the way. So when these things happen, we should give thanks to God, but also not be surprised that God showed up just as he said he would. Who needs that sign of peace or kindness or hope from you? And what are the ones that you'll share with your loved ones to remember that God is at work? And sometimes the signs might be underwhelming. They might be greatly significant to us. They might be a hard sell for some others. Keep in mind, all the shepherds had to go and say was they saw a baby. Just a baby. And yet it was because it was just as they had been told it would be. It was the appearance of the angels that this was the sign that they took. It was the sign for Zechariah and Elizabeth, who perhaps had given up and yet were given a sign of life. It was the promise to Mary that she would conceive and give birth to a son. And that child was the sign for the shepherds, that God was at work, that the light would still shine in the darkness, and that God would be with us. On Christmas Eve, will light the center candle to remind us that the light of Christ has come and that God is and will be with us and that Christmas is the easiest time to remember that God cared so much about us that those words of John 3.16 were lived into, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Good news for all the people. So friends, hold to that good news. Share it like the shepherds. And to know that the shepherds probably received some mixed reviews. All who heard it were amazed, just like at Pentecost. Some people believed, were convicted. Some were made at least curious. And some just summarily dismissed the whole thing altogether. Yet that didn't stop Peter from preaching at Pentecost. 
It didn't stop the shepherds from going around and telling everyone who they could find the good news that the Christ, the Messiah, had been born into the world. The Savior and the Deliverer of the world had shown up just as it was said that it would be. So as we come to communion today, we do this familiar ritual because Jesus told us that this is one of the places in which he would show up and that just as we remember those God sightings, the moments when God was at work this year, we do so here, that God shows up and is present with us in the bread and in the cup, that we are not careful If we're not careful, we'll forget to give thanks to God, just like nine lepers forgot to give thanks to Jesus for healing them. Reminded of God's faithfulness, sometimes even by mediums such as Facebook, that reminded me last year at this time we were coming back with donated equipment for our kitchen. Oh, the scavenger run that we had. And this year, to see the pole barn put on the door, but even more so, for the door to be put on the pole barn, You knew what I meant. (laughs) But even to know that this week, the ways in which God showed up last year blessed people even this week. That there is a fridge for families to put their food in during the long hours of visitation. That there is a kitchen to prepare abundant amounts of food, not only for mission action, but for Dave's funeral, because as he said, no ham on bun. Mm -hmm. And so North Holland barbecue it was. People, God showed up this week. Let's not forget that. Even as we celebrate efforts, God showed up. And in all of the different events that came together, we got to celebrate the fruit of what God was at work in. And so we do so today in remembrance, communion, and hope. We remember that Jesus Christ was sent into the world, that this Advent season, this Christmas season, is one of expectation and to remember that God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. We do so in remembrance, knowing that Jesus lived among us a perfect life. We do so in communion, knowing that we must abide in Christ, who is the true vine, if we are to be branches that will bear fruit. We do so remembering who Christ was and in full communion, trusting that God is with us. Say that with me again. God is with us in communion and in the communion of saints gathered here. And we come in hope that just as the prophet Isaiah said would happen, when Christ shall return, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the mute will speak, and the lame will walk. For behold, I am making all things new. Friends, we come in hope with signs of hope along the way for the great hope of Christ's return, for the second advent, when Christ shall return and make all things new. But until that day, we hold to the hope that is before us, even the hope contained in the bread and the cup, which is just as Jesus said it would be.